Games in this podcast range from E to M. Hello and welcome to the official Xbox podcast, the only podcast coming to you from inside the walls at Xbox. We're actually back in the studio yeah, here. Reunited also. I know, it's been forever. It you feels were like at it's been Dice forever. a few weeks ago. Yes. I was, I was, I've never you were been vacationing. to Dice. What is Dice like? Oh, I love Dice. Dice is quite an industry reunion. Um, I think, you know, the, it was very interesting this year because a lot's been going on in the industry. So everyone's kind of like commiserating, commiserating coming together and, and kind of feeling each other out as well. But it's it's still always a good opportunity just to kind of meeting of the minds, which I really like. Um, so not really like a lot of other conventions that a lot of people go to where you get to like go and play hands-on with games. There's a little bit more business talk happening, but then it obviously all culminates in an award ceremony too. So that was very nice, Greg. Um, um, and Stella, uh, as the hosts of that award show, do such a great job. They've got such a good vibe off of each other. Yeah. I know, definitely, very much so. So it's, it's always fun to kind of just be around uh, your industry peers and, and be like, having another moment to celebrate games, too. And it is about the people. I think yes. when, you, when you're in the industry, it's, it's kind of small. You see a lot of familiar faces, yeah. a lot of friendly faces. People work in lots of different places, obviously. Exactly. Sometimes we from one have... dice to the next, they're working somewhere else. So yeah. it's good to catch up and kind of learn from each other other too. There's roundtables, there's um, keynote speakers, there's workshops. So there's just a ton for people to do on a professional development level too. And here on today's episode, we'll be catching up with a few folks as well from Minecraft and from Microsoft Flight Simulator, which has this uh, amazing Dune uh, sort Expansion of drop, yeah. Yeah, which, which like getting to live in that world yeah. is really cool with that movie coming out Plus soon. Plus free DLC. Hard to argue with that. It's true. Yeah. It's, it's the, the price is right on the that one. The price is right. <laughs> uh, so um, let's let's catch up a little bit because yeah. I, 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 I used it's to see you minute. every week and I it's know. been weeks. So what, what have you been playing? Well, I think the most incredible one for you specifically that we haven't talked about much yet is okay. Infinite Wealth. Okay. So I talked about it last week's episode, but you were missed. Um, there's actually a Farsi saying that's like literally your seat was empty and your, oh. your seat was empty, Jeff, like literally and metaphorically. Well, I would have sucked up all the air out of the room. So so I would love to hear how you've been enjoying it. I have been so thrilled with it. And it's such, I was talking about it last week that it's just such a comforting game as well. It's not just because there's endless things to do. And I love the world. I love exploring and meeting all the various NPCs that you hang out with for these sub stories, you know, for, for brief moments of time. Mm -hmm. Some of them are people you've seen in the franchise previous. Mm -hmm. So like whether or not you've played before, if you have, it's such a great nod back to it. And there's some development, some like actual character art. There's so many things I want to talk about. Yes. So many, no spoilers, of course, but it's just such a warm blanket, both because I love the world. Obviously, we're in Hawaii now, but you don't start off in Hawaii, so it's like, oh, I'm here again. Yes. So it's just very good vibes all around. Yeah, every time you walk through the streets of Kamarocho yes. again, it's just like, ah, oh, I'm back here, yeah. and I, I know everything where everything clicks is. again. Yes, yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah, it's just very intuitive. Yeah. yeah. I actually finished Infinite Wealth wow. uh, since the last time we, we met. Uh, How many finished, hours? I think it was uh, right about 70 hours. Wow. I did all, I Everything. did more sub stories in this game than any most of the yeah. most of the Yakuza games back when it was called that. It was like twenty to thirty hours. Right. You could of course spend dozens more if you wanted to do everything, but I generally Left just did the story. And stuff, this, yeah. I wanted to do everything. I wanted to do all the cure you things because you sort of like retrace and meet a lot of folks, and it's not all just the people you expect. Yeah. So 
A great walk down memory lane. Yeah. Super enjoyed it. But And I totally relate because I feel like I'm even more so drawn to the sub stories. I wonder if it's because of how you're like you're in Hawaii and you get introduced from location to location. So it's a very organic pace as you kind of expand out and it leads you organically to like, oh, I want to complete this zone effectively yep. before I move on. Exactly. Seeing familiar faces yeah. in an unfamiliar setting is always like a good recipe. Yeah, such a trip. Yeah. And I love how they somehow manage to make it work narratively. You're like, why are all these people in Hawaii at the same time as me? But it just, it clicks, Don't actually. worry about that. I also <laughs> want to know, how did they bring back the diaper gangsters? I was thinking of exactly and, that one. And, and I almost cried. Yeah. You know, like, so, like, so much, make it so much depth there. Yeah. yeah. All right, all right, Shocking well, amounts. No spoilers. No, no spoilers. spoilers. <laughs> but that was amazing. And, and you so got incredible. in the power world as well, right? I did, yeah. So I really, like, you know, love an opportunity to hang out with long-distance friends and have a good multiplayer experience, especially cooperative in this way because you can play it in different ways. You can be obsessed with the kind of base building. You can be obsessed with collecting all of the creatures, the pals, or you can be obsessed with like just pushing on from challenge to challenge, like dungeon and raid and and figuring out like what the new environments, what the new pals are from there. So it's it clicks in a different way for everyone. And I think it works really well if you have someone who's like a partner who's very good at the base building while you're kind of like going and fetching resources mm -hmm. while they're like busy. So there's just a kind of really nice dynamic between the multiplayer experience, I would say. Have you played it yet? I have. And okay. and, and actually, and millions more. I think we had yes. an announcement a, a few weeks ago about how many people played and and it's been updated Basically already. Basically everyone, I think. It was like I, it every human way. being on the planet. Yeah, so congrats <laughs> to Pocket Pair on yes. like an unmitigated success story. Incredible. Which was, like, yeah. We're not in nowhere. Really just and, clicking with people. Yeah. Exactly. Mm -hmm. um, so I uh, just wanted to talk about a couple of games yeah. real quickly. So I, I was out touching grass last week, but <laughs> I, I traveled with my Asus ROG Ally, which I go everywhere with, and yep. it's like maybe the best thing I've ever bought. Um, <laughs> so I, I uh, spent a lot of time with Persona 3 Reload, which nice. plays perfectly on that. I'm maybe like 40 hours into it. I don't replay games a lot. It was a great discussion on Friends Per Second podcast, which is one of my favorites this week about, like, do you go back and play things? And a lot of times I like to leave, like, memories in the past mm. and leave them intact. But with Reload, it plays the way I thought it played, even though looking at videos, it's it's so modernized and looks so much better. Uh, it's, it's a story worth playing through again, mm. uh, as far as I'm concerned. And I'm just really, really loving that game. Um, also got into A Little to the Left, which is on Game Pass. Of course, Persona 3 Reload is also on Game Pass. Uh, a Little to the Left is, uh, have you played this game at I all? I haven't. I'm intrigued to hear about it. Okay, that. so this is a game that's just like, oh, you look at this and, oh wait, that should that should be over there. Uh -huh. uh, finding patterns in everyday life. So to give mm. an example, there might be just like a group of pencils laying down. And then you, you're like, okay. And then you realize, wait. Each one of these pencils has like the uh, is a little more sharper than the mm. others, and you arrange it in that pattern. I and need it's order like, with my pencils, and it gives you a star. And then it's like wait, there was actually another way to arrange this. And mm. then you look at it, I'm like, oh, well, actually, all the, the colors of the pencils, if I, I could put them in sort of rainbow order, oh, mm. that was another star. Yeah. And then actually, the eraser tips are different. So certain things are very simple, and it's just straightening little things, and other things, it's finding patterns mm. and bringing it, I guess, order to chaos. Yeah, and it's just kind of sounds very meditative. It can be, yeah. and it's and. Like you finish some of these puzzles in 15 seconds and you just go through mm. and there's dozens and dozens of them. It's on Game Pass. Check it out. I would say if you like something like Power Watch Simulator mm. where it's just like kind of like uh, therapeutic. It's and, like oddly satisfying. Yeah. Or you, you enjoy virtually cleaning versus actually cleaning. Oh, yes. A little to the left <laughs> is very much going to be up your alley. I would call it cozy gaming as well. Yeah. So uh, it, it's, it's definitely, the season too. You know, mm. hit a lot of those different chords. 
And then I downloaded a demo that I've been hearing some good things called Unicorn Overlord. This is a game that's coming out next week. This is my next favorite game. I can tell oh. you that right now. So the demo is very meaty. Um, Kevin Kenson, who's a great influencer, worth watching on YouTube. So he, he mentioned it took him seven hours to beat this demo on probably about half wow. this much. So this game is made by VanillaWare, which is a, a pretty storied developer. They made Odin Sphere and Muramasa, it was a Demon Blade, and, and a number of other games, um, uh, Dragon's Crown, that have never appeared on Xbox. Mm. And so this is their first game ever on Xbox, and it also draws from a lot of inspirations from games like Fire Emblem and... Um, Ogre Battle 64, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. all their games that have never been on Xbox. So this is a really like unique experience um, for, for Xbox players. And, and I highly recommend you check it out. And it's um, it brings together just different elements of like RTS and, and RPGs and beautiful art and strategy and mm. in like a really cool way without overwhelming you little bits at a time. It's got cool voice acting and would you say it's like nostalgic in any sense because it's borrowing from a lot of these concepts but kind of melding them together in their own way? I think that's a great way of putting yeah. it. It's pulling these things, but it puts their own spin and yeah. it's putting them together in a way that really hasn't been done before. Mm. And so, uh, and it does it without being overwhelming uh, is, is like sort of the, the magic trick here. So yeah. highly recommend if you like JRPGs, if you like tactics games, if you like strategy games, download the demo. It's called Unicorn Overlord. I'm not quite sure why it's called that yet. <laughs> Maybe that will come out. The, the full game will be out next <laughs> week. I want to say March 8th, and I'll be playing that. But uh, for now, the demo, and the good thing about the demo, and like all demo makers take note, your progress will carry over when you pick up the full game. Like, thank you. I don't want to have yeah. to play this part again. Yeah, so, love uh, that. that. That doesn't happen all the time. No, so no. That's when a nice it does, treat, uh, yes. very, very It's much just a good chef's kiss moment, yes. So indeed. we've got a couple of guests that will be coming out real quick, but before we do that, I uh, just want to touch on a few of the new releases out this week. Brothers, A Tale of Two Sons remake. Did you ever play the original game of this? Oh, yeah. Incredible. And like, what a good excuse to, to revisit. Or if you haven't played it yet, like, have a good excuse to play in the modern era. It's just a very unique combination of great storytelling, yes, but a lot of that storytelling is also just told through the literal game mechanics. Mm -hmm. So it's just so unique to control two brothers, like older brother, little brother. With different sticks. With the two different sticks. Yeah. And like that is the puzzle solving that you have to do. And But it speaks to what I mentioned, like, you know, that being part of the story building experience. It speaks to like two brothers trying to collaborate and feeling their way out. And, you know, the backdrop is a really emotional story and their journey to it together also kind of ties that emotion in to the entire experience. So it's just, it's very unique. It's mm -hmm. a very unique and like very, you know, easy to to fly through in a weekend, especially because of how captivating it is. It's, it's like a page turner, really. And this was Joseph Ferris. This was yes. the first game I, that I at least yes, played yeah. that he had mm -hmm. made and he went out to make A Way Out. Yep. And uh, it takes two, some of the yep. best co-op games ever created and this is just sort of the beginning you're yeah. all you're kind of co-oping with yourself you're co-oping with yourself yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. very unique experience yes <laughs> uh, definitely recommend checking that out uh game that's out on game pass is now version 1.0 Incolinati, which is a medieval turn-based strategy game you probably if you've seen this before you probably the visuals are what jumped out at you very i would say pentiment-esque mm. and uh 
I guess we're not the only ones who noticed that because <laughs> uh, the folks that make Inkalinati mm-hmm. managed to get together with Obsidian, and there's actually now some crossover. So it's like sort of based on yeah, medieval manuscripts and yep. has that 2D like hand drawn. I think you actually see a hand yeah. draw in this game. Or like stomping out. <laughs> and Andreas Muller, who's sort of the main protagonist from uh, from Pentiment, mm-hmm. is actually has been brought into Inkalinati, and then some of the sort of drawings from that have been put in as like sort of marginalia. Mm. I think is the word right. <laughs> uh, into into Pentiment. So uh, the the idea that we'd have two games uh, right. sort of in uh, with some overlap here that sort of draw upon that sort of uh, artistic style yep, and source and, and setting, together. Yeah. Working together. Very I love good that. collaboration. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Very different games, it yes. should be said. Uh, but both are in Game Pass, so play them both. Yes, <laughs> I think that's it. Uh, and then uh, we have Expeditions, a Mud Runner game. Actually, early access begins today. Uh, or actually, well, Friday, March 1st. So maybe that's tomorrow. Uh, and this is... Uh, <laughs> what is time? Uh, yes, I know. What is time? <laughs> Uh, it's a new take on the most advanced physics-based off-road adventure from the creators of Mud Runner and Snow Runner. So, uh, have you ever played one of these muddy, snowy? I haven't, games? but I feel like I need to because they capture such a community, and I think it's just that like adrenaline rush that you get digitally that's a real draw. Well, we should be checking this out. We yeah. should talk about it next week because it's actually going to be our free Code Friday game. You know how this works. Head on over to twitter.com slash xboxwire on Friday, March 1st. How is it March 1st? All right. Well, anyway, Friday, March 1st, uh, between noon and 2 p.m. Pacific time. That's uh, between 3 and 5 p.m. Eastern on Friday. You're going to see a question, and we will pick five people that answer that question to get at random expeditions, a mud runner game will DM you with the code. So you do have to be following Xbox Wire's account. Okay, here's the question. If you could have the keys in hand to one land vehicle from across the gaming universe, what would it be? Well, I think that uh, there's some pretty obvious answers there, maybe from the Halo universe. Uh, but I wanna know what you think. You'll see that tweet hit at noon Pacific on Friday. Respond, and well, you could be getting Expeditions, a Mud Runner game uh, for something to play over the weekend. And that is early access, by the way. All right, before we get into actually another fantasy uh, vehicle that has been integrated into, uh, well, Microsoft Flight Simulator, we've actually got two conversations here. First, we've got Minecraft's Jessica Zahn. She spoke with our own Rebecca on the big new add-ons update that recently dropped and what it means for the future of modding for the game's Bedrock Edition. Then Jorg Neumann, who is the head of Microsoft Flight Simulator, stopped on by to give us a behind-the-scenes look at how his team worked with the Legendary Pictures team to bring Dune's unique vehicle and planet to the game. In fact, we'll just bring him right here. But first, Jessica and Rebecca, let's hear all about these mods. Thanks, Jeff. So this year, 2024, is actually the 15th anniversary of Minecraft. And for a franchise and a game studio that's always innovating, they have just recently announced some new and exciting things. So I have Jessica Zahn from the Minecraft team here in the studio to join me and chat about it. Hi, Jessica. It's been a while. Hey, Rebecca. How are you? I'm good. I don't think I've seen you since before the pandemic. Uh, We used to do some cool stuff together in Redmond, but uh, unfortunately now we're far apart. But so for those who don't know you, tell us about your role in the Minecraft team. What do you do? How long have you been around? Okay, well, I have been on the Minecraft team for about six years. And currently I am the head of Marketplace and a space that we call Minecraft Online, which includes Realms, our third-party server program, and our live events. 
I'm excited to hear more about live events later this year. But for now, at least for the sake of this interview, we're chatting about the marketplace. So if folks haven't heard of the marketplace, can you give me the elevator pitch? (laughs) Sure. The marketplace is a place where we connect players with creators so that we can provide a wealth of really fun and interesting experiences that extend your Minecraft play. Cool. Um, And you yourself are a Minecraft player, correct? Just a little bit, yeah. <laughs> I know. Yeah, what kind of what kind of stuff do you do? Um, so lately I play mostly Bedrock. Um, and the reason I play mostly Bedrock is because my family likes to play on Nintendo Switches. So though I'm a PC player mostly, we play together on Bedrock. But I love so much of Minecraft. Like um old school Java. I really love like mega mod packs that like put like 200 different mods together and really change the way the game is. I also will play quite a bit of vanilla. And then of course I will play uh, plenty of stuff that is bedrock only. Yeah. Well, uh, I guess all of your experience with mods probably came in handy for this last week's announcement, which was around add-ons. So can you tell us a little more about that? Yes. So Add-ons are now in the Bedrock marketplace, which means they are available to the entire set of Bedrock players on all platforms. And this was super important to me as a player, because as someone who loves mods in Java, who really believes that mods are one of the things that made Minecraft as special as it is, I really wanted to bring that experience to Bedrock players. So with add-ons, we have started on that journey, and I am so excited about what we've done so far and what the future is going to bring. For sure. Yeah. I mean, mods are such an like integral community aspect of so many games. Like Skyrim also has like a pretty incredible modding community and Minecraft mods. I mean, we've we've seen what awesome things have been created in the past. And correct me if I'm wrong, but add-ons actually there was some version of add-ons that's been av- available for a minute because I remember, uh, I think it was with Jesse back at E3, like, I don't know, many, many years ago, we actually demoed add-ons to reporters a long time ago as a way that you could like customize your gameplay, but it was kind of complicated back when he demoed it. Like you had to like save it to this folder and then access it this way. And maybe it was PC only. So that's, but that's changed now, right? Like it's a lot easier. <laughs> well, So I guess what I'll say is add-ons have existed for Bedrock for a long time. What we have done now is we've allowed add-ons in the Bedrock marketplace. But uh, there is a fairly significant hobbyist community who can create add-ons and can, you know, put the content in the right folders and allow that content to show up in uh, their gameplay. And that is awesome. And we have absolutely no plans to change that access that people have. What happens is, though, Some consoles don't allow us access to the file system. So add-ons didn't work for all players on all platforms. And that was something really important to us. But uh, when we allow it in the marketplace, we can reach all of our console, all of our mobile players, as well as our PC players on Bedrock. Yeah, I know, like, just having worked on Minecraft also for many years, I know how important it is, like, if we release something on one platform, ideally, we can release it on all so that there's kind of like that player parity across, uh, you know, all the different like devices and stuff. Uh, So then from the player perspective, like, how does this change their gameplay? Like, what does it look like if I want to start trying add-ons? So an add-on is a piece of content that you can bring to any world, either a new world or an existing one that you have. If you bring it to an existing world, you will not be able to earn achievements in that that world. And we've heard lots of feedback from players that 
No, they are disappointed by that. But the fact is, an add-on could be super overpowered and, you know, could allow you to make progress in the achievements faster than maybe uh, the gameplay expected that you should. So uh, what it means is basically that you can create a customized experience for yourself in Minecraft. And it's super, super fun. I've been mixing and matching add-ons for the last few weeks. Um, I'm playing in a world right now that has 10 add-ons and so much fun. Okay. So yeah. So you can layer them on top, right? Like (laughs) I could do the furniture one and then I could also do like there's a really cool computer one, I think by Jigger Bob. Um, So you can have like multiple add-ons within the same world. Mm -hmm. And that's what's so complicated about delivering this as a feature to players in the Bedrock Marketplace and why we hadn't done it before. Because we do have this promise that you know, if you are able to take an add-on to a world, to an existing world, that your world is still going to work, that things are going to, you know, ex- work as you expect them to. And if we let you layer multiples, that we have to have a lot of sort of rules about how these things might interact so that one creator can't make a thing that, let's say, removes all sticks from the world and another creator makes an add-on that requires sticks. And these are things that mod pack makers in Java have been able to sort of reconcile. And we needed to do it in a um, platform appropriate way for Bedrock so that we can allow add-ons to be created, allow you to add them. Um, Removing add-ons from your world might result in weird experiences depending on what you remove. Um, but, you know, to be able to layer these things together and really create the experience you want to have was super important to us. Yeah, you know, I feel like the more that I have learned over Minecraft over the years, I think someone described it as like deceivingly complicated because it looks so simple to the user. But in reality, everything that the team is doing, ha- like there's a lot of like thought and development behind it. I mean, for a game that's already been out for 15 years to be able to like customize the gameplay with different like layers on top of like in a world that they've already created like that's a pretty massive undertaking i think so that's pretty cool and to continue to add on to a world if there are people who have worlds that are really 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 old right Mm -hmm. to continue to add new content to those worlds and have everything work as expected to continue to add new platforms new capabilities like you know minecraft is huge there's a lot of stuff in it that you know not everybody does all of the things in it. But then with add-ons, you can sort of, you know, really create the experience you want to have. Yeah. Well, tell me more about this this most recent batch of add-ons. Like, do you have any favorites, any standouts for you? Um, I think there are two that I'll um, call out as being my absolute favorites. The first one is called Naturalist by Starfish Studios. And the reason I love it, it adds like about 100 new mobs to the world. And you just like wander around and you find these mobs and they're super cute. And then you find these weird behaviors that they do. So here's an example. Started a new world and I found some berry bushes, which are really great for early game fuel, right? Like for food. So I take them back. I plant them around, you know, the little hut that I'm building. And all of a sudden I've got bears. And I'm like, why do I have all these bears? Like brown bears, black bears. And I'm like, what is going on here? And then I realize when I go over to like pick some berries, the bears grab the berries and eat them. And they end up with like berry juice all over their face. Wow. <laughs> and I just didn't expect it. I didn't know didn't know to expect it. But I was just like, oh, that is so cute. Yeah, um, that's really cool. So it's not just like, it's not just vis- like visually, it's the bears. Mm-hmm. It's like the bears also have this new behavior with them too. 
Yeah, exactly. And then another time, I uh, early game found a uh, a village, and I go in the village, and I like you know kick a villager out of a bed so I can sleep and make it day. And then um, I see a raccoon, and the raccoon comes in this villager hut and starts pawing at a chest that's in this little villager house, right? And then the, the raccoon gets from the chest a book, and then lays down and goes to sleep in my doorstep. And I'm like, well. I guess I stole this house from the villager. So now the raccoon is stealing it from me. (laughs) So the good thing with the naturalist pack or the cool thing is that it sounds like there's a lot of different like animals and their different behavior. Like I've seen videos of like alligators and zebras and penguins and it's a cute animal. So I can already see the different zoos people might make popping up. Um, But you said there was one other piece of content too that's been you've been trying out. Yeah, uh, there's one called Hiker's Friend by Razzleberries, and it's super, super useful early game. So there's a couple of things in it that I really love. The first one is you can make a walking stick, which is basically just three sticks. So super easy. Punch a tree, you know, make some planks, convert them to sticks. There you go. Right. Got to make a crafting table, of course. So the walking stick makes you move a lot faster. So early game, when you're out exploring, trying to find the place that you're going to build your first base. You just move a lot faster, which is super convenient. And then they also have um, a lantern, which you could say, well, Jessica, there's lanterns in uh, Minecraft already. But this is a portable one that you can put in your offhand. And if you're out exploring at night, it just brings light in front of you. It will not keep the mobs away. So you still have to be careful. But, you know, you can have portable light, which is cool. And then the last thing I love that's in that one is a sleeping bag, which it's great to have a bed. You have to have a bed early game, make it be day. But if you're out exploring, you can bring this sleeping bag and it basically just forwards the time so that you can move from night to day. It won't keep the phantoms away. But again, it's so helpful in exploring. Yeah, really cool. Like, I mean, honestly, those are like pretty... uh like game enhancing things to do. Cause like even with the lantern, so you have your hands free still, right? Yep. Yeah. That's awesome. Wow. You're doing without yeah, having that's- torches everywhere and use the coal that you, you know, are sort of hoarding early game because you don't have a lot yet, you know, you need to build a furnace and all of that. So very cool. And very, uh, very like Seattle Pacific Northwest for that to be one of your favorites. <laughs> um, how's the community reception been so far? Have you, been seeing people jump into add-ons just as expected. It has been amazing. So we are so excited. We have initial set of seven free add-ons and eight paid add-ons. They all have a ton of downloads. We are so excited about, you know, people trying them out. People are playing for longer. They're creating new worlds and just really like diving into the content. I've seen a ton of YouTube videos where people are, you know, testing them out and seeing, you know, what they're all about, comparing them to some Java mods. And a couple of them are, uh, recreations of you know important java mods into bedrock by the people who made the java mods and i'm really proud about that that they are part of our marketplace partners and that they chose to bring some of their really special mods over to bedrock as an add-on very cool so and yeah i meant to ask earlier is anything changing for the java modding community are add-ons coming to java (laughs) Um, you know, add-ons are already in Java. Like we're calling them add-ons. They're essentially mods. Like there's nothing changing about the what we do for Java mods or the modding community that is still alive and vibrant and super awesome. And you know, it just so, offers so much to Minecraft players who play on Java. Yeah. 
Well, I have to say the Spark Pets has probably been my favorite one that I've seen so far. I mean, anything with pets and costumes, like I think there's a clip we have of like a cat with like a little lobster or crab hat. Oh, so cute. Um, but so what's next then? I mean, you mentioned we have this kind of batch of 15 add-ons uh, mm-hmm. right now. So there's more coming soon. Yeah. So this was our pilot or the beginning of our pilot where we're sort of putting these things out there, seeing, you know, what the community reception is. What do people do? Like, do people stack lots of them? Do they create different worlds for each so that we kind of know what software we need to develop next, what platform functionality we need? I know that for me, you know, I made I set up a world, I put in all the add-ons I wanted. And then I was like, hey, team, I need an add-on that does this, 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 and this. And I started looking at the add-ons that our partners have started to submit. And fortunately, all the things that I want are coming soon. So we'll have, you know, it's so yeah, I really want like intense farming. I want, yeah. <laughs> you know, there's a few old school farming uh, add-ons for Java that I love. There's also um, a bunch of um, Java add-ons that are or Java mods that are about genetics and bees and forestry. And I love all of those. And I really want to see those things in some form come over to uh, Bedrock. But Next, what we have is we will be releasing more add-ons from more partners over the next few months before we get to what we would call a GA, where all of our marketplace partners will be allowed to submit add-ons to the marketplace. They'll go through our normal content review and quality assurance processes, but that will be a new content type available to all of our partners. So, well, as soon as some really strong like cooking add-ons pop up, can you just like let me know? (laughs) Well. I was playing with one last night. There's awesome. Okay. Super, super fun. Yeah. All right. Well, this has been an exciting couple of weeks for the Minecraft team. Thank you for joining us. Um, and back to everyone in the studio. Thanks, Jessica. Thank you. Well, look who snuck in while we were talking about games. Uh, maybe <laughs> parachuted in. We got to fix that hole in the roof. Lord <laughs> Neumann, the head of Microsoft Flight Simulator. How are you doing, man? I'm doing awesome. You got a, a little bit of jet lag, right? You've been going all over the place. You know, I'm, I'm on flight sim. We don't have jet lag. We fly <laughs> everywhere. But no, no, it was you know a little bit, a little bit of jet lag. So you've been uh, really promoting this uh, amazing collaboration between Microsoft Flight Simulator and the new Dune movie that's coming out. Like, what, what's it been like? I've seen some video. You've been rubbing elbows with some some A-listers. Here. Oh, it was so cool. So I got to go to the premiere of Dune in London. And, you know, it's I, I don't go to movie premieres often, but it's it was so much fun. <laughs> Neither it, was, I, it, was more, it was more like a concert. You know, there's like mm. thousands of teenagers screaming. Mm. Why? There's Timothy Chalamet, mm-hmm. right? Everybody's sort of sweetheart these days. And it was really, it was so much fun. We had this awesome display of an ornithopter. And, and as everybody who came in sort of looked at it and, Obviously, it was playable. So my favorite things were like uh, one a person here of mine came over, Hans Zimmer. Oh, okay, who is, the, the who is composer, yeah, exactly, composer of like Lion King and you know Gladiator and those yes. things and Dune. And uh, you know he's German, like I am. So we chatted in German. I said, "Hey, man, do you play games?" He's like, "Yes, I'm a grandfather. I have to play games." So I was like, "Hey, come <laughs> on in, it. play." And he was so enthusiastic and flew straight into the rock tower. <laughs> He's like, oh my God, I broke it. I'm like, you're fine. And then uh, Timothy actually came over before the movie started. And um, I don't know if you know this, but back a long time ago, he was a modder. Oh, yes, mm-hmm. we've heard all mm-hmm. about this. Uh, Mod, controller, Mod controller 360 yep. was his channel, right? So he knows everything about games. I didn't have to explain anything. He's like, oh, just give me this thing. He took the hardest challenge, aced it. 
Wow. And we had a real good time together. And then after it was all done, he came over and said, dude, that was dope. <laughs> <laughs> Which was like, that was great. And then we watched the movie and I can just say, the movie is excellent. If you love science fiction, if you love Dune, it's really, really good. Been some good Would you say the movie was dope? Really, really I mean, dope. that's that's dope, high praise dope. now Excellent. that yeah. we know that that's Timothy <laughs> Chalamet's brings. Yeah, you had to return the favor, right? He, he <laughs> exactly. gave you the compliment. Exactly. Exactly. So when uh, Top Gun uh, came out, was it last year or the year before? The first thing I did uh, when I got back was actually just jump into Microsoft Flight Sim and try to hit Mach ten and fly <laughs> across the U.S. in like <laughs> like ten minutes. It was it was it was really cool bringing that home to me, and I love that you're doing this again with Dune and bringing something completely out of the world of fantasy into Microsoft Flight Simulator and doing it for free for everyone and everyone who has access to Flight Sim. So can you talk about like what is in this Dune expansion? A lot. I mean, obviously the, <laughs> at the center of it all is the Ornithopter, uh, which is this fantastic flying machine. Frank Herbert, you know, in the books, he writes about it, but it's it's not really the, the centerpiece, but he, he says it, it sort of, sustains flight by flapping its wings. That was like, okay, it's kind of like a bird. And then he also said it can hover. That's really all we had to go by. Um, and as you, I, mean, I don't know if you know, but like there were like older movies in 1984, yeah, there was yeah, a movie yeah. and stuff. Mm -hmm. they, 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 they really weren't paying much attention to the Ornithopter. This particular crew, Dennis Villeneuve, I think, told his team, this needs to feel real, this needs to look real. My, I, there's an interview he did, he said, my mom needs to believe that thing can fly. <laughs> so I got to work with... Um, the production designer of the movie, and we can maybe chat about this later. So we have the Ornithopter, one of the most maneuverable uh, fly, mm -hmm. uh, flying machines ever imagined. Mm -hmm. uh, then we built a whole bunch of Dune, like Arrakis, the planet. We did the entire northern part as the city of Arakeen, which we actually got from the movie people. And then we built sort of the ring, the ring wall and the hole in the wall and the botanical station, kind of like the famous things that are mm -hmm. on, on that section of Dune. And then we did a bunch of missions. And, 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 and early on, we said, what what you know we're flight sim flight sim we don't have weapons we don't have combat so we said what 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 feels right so we said why don't we do something where we train up a pilot to become successful on dune and obviously it's a, it's a desert planet there's rock formations and tunnels through rocks and those types of things sandworms and mm -hmm. then there's also something called coriolis storms they fly they're, they're 700 kilometers an hour so you know almost three times as fast as our fastest hurricane so these things come in like like a freight train, and you have to be able to get in and out wherever you go really quickly. So we said, let's create some tutorials just to get fast takeoff, fast landing. Then if you saw the first movie, there was something called free fall. It was really cool. So you can fold your wings back and mm -hmm. it dives down. You are almost like a glider. And you get to do this. You get to do this. It's, su it's super fun. It's super fun. It's the I think it's the funnest move right now in flight sim. Um, and then, they, then we have missions that we call touch and go missions. They get harder and harder and harder. Right? So fly somewhere land the craft, take off, and that's timed. And that all prepares you for the final mission, which is a rescue. It actually turns out that your instructor that sort of helped you through everything, he crashed as a wonderthopter in the desert. There's a storm coming in, and you have to go as fast as you can, get the guy, escape the oncoming storm, and, and basically rescue him, which is really, it's really cool. And so, the maneuvers, too, are yeah. so, like, I think it's one of the more nimble aircrafts. Like, you tell me if you feel like that assessment is I mean, accurate, but I'd love to know how you built that. Too. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, I mean, it basically has, it looks like a dragon flight mm -hmm. meets a hummingbird type of mm -hmm. thing. And uh, so it goes super, super fast, and it goes straight up. And then so it feels like a VTOL, what we call a mm -hmm. VTOL. 
and then it goes straight forward like an airplane and it has afterburners. So what that mm-hmm. allows you to do is go really up fast in every direction. You can go fast and yeah, you can also, and then you can air brake, mm-hmm. which is great. Like if you want to land anywhere, like it's like, and then you can go point land anywhere you want to go. So obviously this is a sci-fi aircraft, so it doesn't actually real ex- realistically exist in the world. And that's a lot of what Flight Sim is, like realistic kind of representations of aircraft, of the world, of the environment and physics. So how did you balance creating more of a realistic aircraft for what the ornithopter should feel like when you're flying, not in the sci-fi movie world? Yeah, you're exactly right. So Flight Simulator stands for authenticity and accuracy and the dream of aviation, right? Um, so we first looked at the aircraft and 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 we were all very happy to see how much thought went into mm-hmm. it. Um, you know, when, when we started talking about Legendary, they shared all their models, their drawings and how they were thinking about it. And it all made sense. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> so so we basically, on the exterior in particular, we said, you know, this is a realistic aircraft. Mm-hmm. We could probably, we can get, do this right. Then there was a big discussion about the flight model. The flight model is obviously what makes it fly around and mm-hmm. feel like something. And um, we have flight models that are all realistic. Helicopter one, we have multi-copters, airplanes. And the first thought was, can we adapt those? And when we looked at the movie footage and what we really needed to do, there was no way we would have done it justice. So um, his name is Andre Zolomikin, is the, is the flight model programmer. He's a famous guy in our, in our uh, mm-hmm. section of the industry. He basically said, let's just make a custom flight model. And that was trying to find the right balance between a realistic one and, and an empowering, a little bit more arcadish one, and ultimately to make it fun. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what we got. Mm-hmm. I think from what I've seen, you know, there's obviously hundreds of thousands of people have already played this, and the feedback has been great. Mm-hmm. So um, I think we did the right, the right job. I think like we were just talking about how nimble it is in general. Like you can gain altitude, lose altitude and speed so fast. And I've been seeing people pull off these crazy nosedive moves and then coming back to a nice hover. And it's just really incredible to see what people have been pulling off. But I'm curious because I imagine you've probably looked at a lot of what the community has been playing and (laughs) clips online and whatnot. Like what are some of the fun things that you've seen come out of other people's footage of playing around with the ornithopter? I start with what I did. So I actually, so I obviously (laughs) did. The, I did. Ever. I flew everywhere you could on, on Dune, and then I took it to New York. New York mm-hmm. City was my test bed. And so wait, so you can take the ornithopter out of Arrakis and sure. yeah. put oh, it yeah. in the real world? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's it's so much fun. It's we call it free flight. And so mm-hmm. I basically went through, flew through the avenues, and then at some point or another, I, I did my landing challenges on random skyscrapers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then at the end, I said, I'm gonna I'm gonna land on the flame of the Statue of Liberty, and I did. And then I went online and, you know, I mean, you know how people are. And so 20 I, people before you had done it. <laughs> I, I haven't seen one of those, but I've seen one where somebody's right, landing right on top of the of the Sheops Pyramid in, in mm-hmm. Egypt. There's somebody who did that on the Redeemer in, in Rio de Janeiro. And it's just, I mean, people are having a blast. And it's, it, as I said, the, it's so much fun because you can stop anywhere. Mm-hmm. Right? A plane typically takes you forward and you actually plan your landing. Here you can just like air brake and go wherever it's you want. It's very immediate. It, it yeah. Very immediate. Yeah. So when I think about uh, Microsoft Flight Sim, I, I, I played on day one and I was, you know, I'm a controller player. I don't have a throttle and a yoke and all of the pedals and all the different things that we know a lot of people have and that are super into it and it's very impressive. And I, I had, I, I will say the first time I played it was so embarrassing. I couldn't take off because I didn't realize <laughs> there's like a parking brake. You have to, I'm like, I'm in the Safety I'm first, the Jeff. Right, well, it's true. Yes. Uh, <laughs> do not put me behind a plane. I shouldn't even be driving here. <laughs> But uh, what I really noticed, I loaded this up last night and I played through the tutorials, is 
The game has come, the sim has come very far in terms of bringing along noobs like me who mm -hmm. should not be behind the, the wheel or in the cockpit with actually like, uh, we're going to show you, um, it, the first thing you do is you actually, uh, you unfold the wings and it's like, oh, just push right on the D-pad yeah. and it does that. And so I, can you talk about how you're bringing along people now and, and, and how I, I'd imagine this extends to other parts of the game who haven't played before, but want to dip their toes into flight sim without being overwhelmed. Yeah, I mean, that was one of those main things. So obviously we have what we call the core sim audience. Mm -hmm. A lot of those folks, it's it's their main hobby. It's many, in many times the only thing they, they play mm -hmm. or sim. Uh, and they want authenticity. They need they need the controllers. Yeah. And then they, they want to have full control. They fly, mo a lot of them fly with VR, which is, by the way, amazing. Um, but then we've met um, a lot of people that we call more casual Simmers or digital <laughs> or digital tourists. Like we have this digital yes. twin, and people. I think there's a. It was very unexpected. Like people literally just fly to look at the world, and and for them it was overwhelming. So we said we need to we need to have assistances. That's what we call them, mm -hmm. which is kind of similar, like in the real world. If you ever take a discovery flight, which is the first thing you ever take, I mean they put you behind the wheel and say, why don't you take off. And they let you do certain things, and the, the, the instructor figures this out, how, how, what you know and what you don't know, mm -hmm. and they, they do a bunch of stuff for you. And that, that is the same exact approach we ta we've taken, which, which is let people opt in, you know, let them learn slowly. And, so, and, and, and a lot of people initially, you know, they're totally new, so you just give instructions, do this and do this, and then they feel empowered, get more and more comfortable. And that's how I think we got to so many more people beyond flight simming. And, and I, I have to say, because... You know, simmers matter greatly to me. They've been so gracious to what I call newcomers. Mm. You know, they explain it all. You know, they sit on the forums and explain, here's how this really works. If mm -hmm. you really want to become a simmer, you have to think about it this way. And I think that's a beautiful thing. Like we brought in a gamer audience, an Xbox audience. And I think I, I see it also in the behavior. More and more of them are staying inside Flight Sim and are having a great time. And I think it's because we're helping them onboard. So if you're someone at home that's like, hey, this looks cool, but I'm overwhelmed by Flysim, I got to tell you, just a controller, it worked great. It I, with, like within seconds, I was taking off. I did the dive maneuver, mm -hmm. and like I like I, I, this is how I know it's you fun, did a, right? a custom a custom thing. You wouldn't do that in a chopper. Uh, <laughs> and and when I pulled up and like just just was off the floor of the canyon and did it, it was such an exhilarating feeling. And and I and it was just very easy to get into. So like, like the intimidation factor should be evaporating. And I, and I highly encourage you, if you've got Game Pass, just download it, give it a shot. And then I think you'll want to do all these things in the real world too. I, I mean, I love that you say that because for me, the dream of flight, uh, this is how I think about everything. The dream of flight has been with mankind forever. Like since beginning, people looked at birds and said, wouldn't it be cool? And I think there was a little bit in the way there was a little bit of an apprehension. It's not in people's regular lifestyle. They're yeah. like, oh, let me go over to my plane and fly around a little bit. So I think this is now bringing it to tens of millions of people, quite frankly, which is just wonderful. And Very there's cool. such a realism element to that. I mean, I have family members who are obsessed with flight sim because they feel like they can get that experience of a pilot. They're doing pilot training as well at the same time. So it's an opportunity for realism, but it's also just this fantasy. So or the ornithopter and bringing in like a dune community as well feels like such an interesting but organic pivot for, for Flight Sim in a lot of ways. So can you also talk about Arrakis and building that out? Because this is the first time we're not on Earth 
in-flight sim. So that must have been significant for the team. It is true. Like, basically, we don't build the world funny mm-hmm. enough, right? We basically get, we have airplanes that fly overhead and they take what we call photogrammetry, which is basically 3D pictures, and that is our game world. So this was the first time, actually, probably ever, that mm-hmm. we made levels. Mm-hmm. We said, okay, there's the shield wall. We now need to build a shield wall. And I think the, the environment team had a ton of fun mm-hmm. <laughs> because they could basically watch the movie and just get it perfect. But it was it was very different for us to do this. But but as I said, it was it was fun. And as far as fictional, the, the Dune one is not the first one, right? Like um, you know, so Top Gun was mm-hmm. Top Gun Maverick was our first expansion that had something to do with a movie. And it clearly has an F-18, which is a real plane. But then at the Dark Star, you yeah. know, people are like, so well, much fun. it's so much fun. But, um, you know, we had to invent a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and Lockheed, in that case, helped us. Then we did the Pelican. Great fun, too. Mm-hmm. So I think this is sort of in the nature of what we do. And, and, and one of the things that's interesting about flight simmers, you know, they, they, a lot of them are very much based on realism. But there's actually web pages that list the aircraft that flight simmers would like that are fictional. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot. <laughs> and, and actually, the honest optics on that list, I think it was number seven or something. So I'm like, you know, even the Simmers mm-hmm. loved it. And then what about Arrakis' like sandstorms? That must have been different to incorporate. And it's part of the rescue mission as well when you're on that planet that you're kind of contending with that element against you. So we actually ever always wanted to do real-world sandstorms because mm. it's one of the, you know, awesome-looking things that's happening in the deserts, right? And... Um, so we never really got to it until we got to Dune. And then I think the team is now, we are very proud of, the, of that sandstorm and the tech behind it. So it help, So even doing something like Dune helps us with the, with the sim later because mm-hmm. we can now have storm fronts like this. So I, you had mentioned that when you first saw the ornithopter, the, the sketches and, and all that, you were really impressed at the work that they put into it. Yeah. What was the response when you, you went back to Legendary Pictures and said, hey, look what we made? They really loved it. So I think the the first thing we did was the trailer that we showed, I think, last year. And 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 they didn't know if it was part of the movie or not. So, you know, <laughs> that's I, a I good think sign. that was a good sign. We're like, OK, that's cool. We're on, at least we're nailing the visuals. And mm. then we send them the build over and they just loved it. They said it was dope. Yeah. Dope. Yeah. <laughs> go, go, they said gorgeous and fun. But, you know, yeah. it's also dope. Synonyms. Very cool. So, all right. So we've talked all about it. Uh, and before we start talking about these toys, because this is this has been spinning for some time here, uh, how do people get into the expansion? How do they get access? I mean, if you're if you're on Game Pass or you own Microsoft Flight Simulator, it's free. Okay. Easy cool. enough. Easy yep. enough. You'll be able to find it pretty easily, I think, once oh, yeah. you launch the game. And, and yeah, yeah. That's the main menu first thing you see. And the Top Gun <laughs> stuff is still there too, which Top you Gun try stuff is still there too. That. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about these toys. Um, <laughs> What's spinning? I want them. I, want them. <laughs> I know, right. they're gorgeous. Well, the, the reality is, because we all work at Microsoft, none of us get to take <laughs> these things home. Uh, but you, watching at home, may be able to do that. So uh, what we have here is a specially designed console holder. This is here in the Ornithopter. Uh, it's inspired, of course, by the Ornithopter, and it captures the uh, vibrant colors of Arrakis's sun, planets, and sand, and what, what's that uh, riding shotgun here? It looks like an Xbox, a special Xbox Series S. Does that come out? It does. Let's yes. try it. Pull the sword from the stone. I am the chosen very, one. Yes, very cool. Can All I, right. Can I hold Please. it? Please. Yes. yes. This will be the only time. This is the only time I get to hold this. Hello. Very good. It's beautiful. It so is this beautiful. is, uh, yes, decorated for uh, Dune. Man, they really find a good way to use the... The, the vent there on the top. And then we have, I mean, I look at this and I think magnets, how do they work? Mm. This is like a floating controller holder. It literally is 
floating over there. I don't want to, I don't know how, again, I don't know how <laughs> magnets work, but uh, this is a special dune controller. And uh, anyway, these things are all winnable. And then it, you, not just the controller itself, but the actual spinnable. Look, it just keeps going. So cool. hovering base. I, I want yes. like, you know, there's something where it's like, Science is it, it's, it's akin to magic if you don't know Basically. how it works. So uh, anyway, fans have a chance to win this set of custom hardware by following Xbox on Twitter. That's at Xbox. You can call it X. You don't have to, though. And what you have to do is find the tweet that talks about these. You retweet that. During the entry period, you basically have about a month. So the giveaway is going on now. It goes through March 25th of this year. All you got to do is retweet, and then, well, you hope you win. So... Go on there, find it at, at Xbox, and just do a quick search for Dune, and I think that thing will pop up, retweet, and um, we'll take good care of it between now and, and the time that it gets sent out to one of you winners. So uh, good luck to you. Unfortunately, we're we're off the hook. We don't get to... Oh. <laughs> Sorry, you're going to have to give that back. Oh, just for now. Yeah. <laughs> York, uh, any last things you want to say before we wrap up here? You want to say hi to Paris, anything like that? Hi, Paris. <laughs> Miss you. <laughs> no, I think... You check out Dune. It's super fun. Um, and thanks for having me. It's wonderful to see you. Thanks for coming back. We are Great always to have you. happy to have you here. If you're here at the end of the show and you're wondering where's Free Code Friday, you don't skip to the end of the show. We talked about it half an hour ago. <laughs> so you're going to have to go back and watch the show and then you'll see Free Code Friday. But for Tina, for myself, for Jorg Neumann, thank you again for joining us. And we will be back here again next week. Mm -hmm.